Podcast. My name is John Roebuck and with me is Derek Taboo Armstrong and Blake Risque-Curtis. Yeah, Risque. There was a slight different inclination you did there on the intro. Was it? Yeah, this is the real. I don't know, well, you gave that. me shit about my intro voice last <laughs> last episode. That was that, that so was now outro. I'm conscious that was the outro voice. The outro voice. Yes, yeah, so that's different altogether. Uh, Both these guys are wearing great beanies too. I must know. <laughs> Onwards and upwards, because I haven't actually finished my intro, Blakey. <laughs> this episode is called Una or Later, and that's because we'll be talking about Benedict Andrews's film Una. Here's a synopsis that I've stolen from Google: <laughs> A young woman's confrontation with a man from her past. Threatens to derail her new life and her stability. Derek, what did you think? Does she really have a, re- a new life and stability? I'm not sure about that. It's mostly about her dwelling on the past. Well, not dwelling. This is all right. This There's is off to a bad start. There's a lot of dwelling. There's dwelling, but but with good reason. You, 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 could, you would dwell. say you would say you dwell on something <laughs> that isn't worth dwelling on. But this is something that's worth dwelling on. Um, I. I feel like well, it's something that's not worth dwelling on. Well, y- you could have you could dwell over something insignificant, and then it wouldn't be worth your time, I suppose. Yeah, but, but I wanted an example of what something like that would be. Um, you know that ice cream cone you dropped on the ground when you were in year three, probably. Yeah. That's probably not worth dwelling on. But do this is something more significant. I do not. <laughs> I never dropped an ice cream on the ground. I would never. I would never do that. How about that, Phil Muna? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're we're stalling here, aren't we? Look, you know what I want to say about d- this d- film. D- just to the record, Derek was worried that there wasn't enough to talk about yeah. in this podcast. Um, so I'm oh, going to talk really weed. slowly. I, I feel like I There's actually quite a lot to talk about. Yeah. What's different about this is that the scale is different. We're we're, we're looking yeah. at a film that's much more small, much smaller. It's a kind of a two-hander with just the two char- the primary two characters. You get some others on the side, but and yet I would say a lot bigger. Because of the content. Well, it could be. Well, as, we'll, as we'll, opposed to what was the last one that we did? What was Wonder the last Woman. one? Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Yeah, yeah. Well, the scale that was bigger sure. than Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah. I think. The, I think the the whatever they're talking about in this the. The topics are a lot bigger in, in well, this than... Well, it's Wonder interesting. Than uh, the, the fate of the world? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the talking was actually the problem for me in this film. This film is adapted from a play, obviously. Um, but its first five minutes are silent. Uh, there's no dialogue for the first five minutes. And there's a lot of cool visual stuff. There are smash cuts. There are... Sm- are, are Smash cut, uh, the uh, the sound version of a smash cut, I guess it's also kind of a, a smash cut. Mm. There's a the great usage of uh, P.J. Harvey's Down by the River, um, and, and then a, a full screen, you know, title, title sequence. And I thought, this is going to be a real visual exercise, and it became a real talk fest, and it really lost me at that point. Really? Yeah. I thought visually it was quite arresting. Yeah, me too. And, and I thought uh, something about the, the visuals, but also the rest of the style, um, and I don't know if it was deliberate or not, I found a lot of the individual scenes didn't fit. It, it wasn't uh, stylistically coherent. So a lot of the scenes didn't fit with other scenes, and I don't know if that was deliberate in terms of uh, uh, putting um, the audience at ease or not. But uh, later scenes didn't feel like they were from the same film as earlier scenes. Did you find yeah. that as well? or? Uh, I, well, I don't know. I, I felt there to be a striking contrast between the present tense scenes and the flashback scenes. And I think that we should say... Deliberate. We should say up front, um, I don't think we quite said it in the synopsis. This is about a, a, a woman who is now in her late 20s, who when she was 13 years spoiler old... Spoiler alert, sort of. Oh, no, no it's not idea. a spoiler. Okay, yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah. pretty much there well, from the front. But, but, but we, we the, got whole, a, the whole film is centred around We've, we've yeah. copped a bit of flack about our non-spoiler alerts. Oh, Apparently you really? mentioned uh, Blakey Boardwalk Empire oh, yeah. without uh, saying spoiler alert. 
and one of our thousands of li- listeners uh, has complained. Yeah. Yeah. Was okay. this, is this the fan mail today or is this a It is the fan mail today. You don't yeah. want to be sabotaged by, uh, by information that's not even about what you're discussing. Yeah. But that, that happens sometimes. Well, you can't help it. But in, luck. That's one in any case, like you can't you. keep me down. <laughs> this well, film is about... kick you off, mate. <laughs> try. You can try. I'm then going to do the eel good podcast with a bunch of eels <laughs> you know, in a I, hot tub. Do you know I fell into a um, pond full of eels when I was younger at the botanical garden? The shrieking yeah. eels. Yeah, it was really disgusting, yeah. Did they touch you? Yeah, yeah, they were, oh. it was full of them, yeah. Oh, were they electric? Uh, sure. Are you eel man? dead. Mm. I, uh, no, I'm not eel man. <laughs> uh, I that is. Have we given them enough time to turn off the podcast if they don't want the film spoiled? Uh, <laughs> but we have spoiled, spoiled well, what happened to John as a child, so <laughs> I apologize. Yeah, if, if you're going to see the, the, the telly movie of John's falling into the eel pit, that, that you, that's been ruined for you. This but, summer. <laughs> so, this, so, so this is about a woman who's coming to grips with the fact that when she was 13, um, you know, an adult, her neighbor... Um, who was friends with her father, slept with her and had an ongoing relationship with her for three months. And she's trying when to... When she was 13, you said that? Yeah, yeah when she was 13. And she's trying to address that now. And um, she's Rooney Mara, and he's Ben Mendelsohn, the Australian actor. And the director is also Australian, although the film is not shot in Australia. It's shot in England, yeah. which actually was really weird for me because w- for the whole time I was trying to think... It was very coastal. There was a lot of coastal scenes. I thought, is this Australia or is this England? Did you guys know? I, I, I knew. You knew it was England? Oh, yeah, you can tell. You didn't can tell us like Australia. Australia. But there was a part where they were in a store and there were, and there were hot pies them. for sale in the store. So I thought maybe it's Australia. And, and Ben Mendelsohn's not trying a British accent. He's no. just yeah, a friend using of, A friend of mine was like, I was trying to pick what Ben Mendelsohn was doing. I was like, he wasn't doing just anything. Just his voice. talking <laughs> his <laughs> normal yeah. voice. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed in him, actually. You do I, have very stupid friends, though. Well, <laughs> Sam Douglas. <laughs> Oh great! Now we've lost a listener. <laughs> no, um, I uh, part of the reason I wanted to do this, and this this was my my suggestion, was because I love both of the actors in this film. I think mm. that they're on the tops of their game, Rooney Mara and Ben Mendelsohn, and um, I just neither of them really did it for me in this film. It sounds like you both liked it more than I did. So why don't you tell me what Bef- you liked about before it? Before we go on to that, though, do, uh, you know what I found slightly interesting is, did it feel like with those actors, that Ben Mendelsohn and, and Rooney, whether that they're repeating? a topic that they've already covered in their career. He did it with Beautiful Kate. This is very similar to that. Mm. And she did it with um, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Okay. Yeah. Tenuous, but yeah. It, it seemed yeah. like the characters were, there was lots of, I've, I felt like I'd seen these characters before Well, it didn't feel, I, I, guess, I guess my issue with it is that when, you, when you've got a topic like this, you really want the writing to somehow dig down to some essential truth about this horrible scenario yeah. where there's a, a, a girl who's been sexually and emotionally abused and it affects her whole the whole trajectory of your life yeah. and a guy who has essentially gotten off after serving four years and has been able to live uh, another existence other another number name another name where his new wife doesn't actually know what he's done yeah and so but I guess I, I thought it didn't get to those nuggets of wisdom and truth that I wanted it to. But I think at the core of it, in the end, what it was, was a film where she was trying to figure out, was he actually in love with her, mm. or was he just a, and, and a pedophile? Does a film like this have to have to give you nuggets of truth? I think it's a pretty murky well, subject matter. And I think what I liked about it was how uneasy it made me feel and how I wasn't sure about things. Yeah. And that's why I thought I had this... Um, this something like this um, stylistic um, incoherence that was going on in the film, at least to me. I mean, I'd actually had a big weekend and I was feeling pretty rough, so it could have just been me feeling crap. Mm. Um, But, yeah, like the cinematography seemed like um, uh, it was deliberately um, 
disjointed and so did the atmosphere in every scene. And I feel like uh, a lot of the film was going for that sort of um, unease and uh, uh, lack of clarity. See, what, well, you interpret think... as, what you interpreted as unease and lack of clarity, I inter- interpreted as staginess. Like that okay. whole thing about when they kept on moving around the warehouse oh, yeah, and, like and, much, yeah. and the, the two co-workers are looking for them for yeah. what looked what that, seemed like hours. Yeah. It, it just felt... It felt, it felt staged. Like, it felt like um, well, well, contri- contrived. Yeah. You well, know? In, in saying that, I, 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 it's funny because I think I'm a little bit in both camps here because I, what I really enjoyed was when they were in that um, the, the lunch break room that was surrounded by glass and I really quite liked it, that scene because it was the two of them almost in a glass bubble and, and they're the only two people that understand what has happened between them and they're the only two that have had to live with the effects of it and they're the only people, two people that lives are completely encompassed by, by what has happened to them. Mm. So I, I feel like the, the, the visuals of setting of where they were was a great metaphor for their relationship and especially being watched and it being glass. It just felt like two, two goldfishes in a, in a, in a, in a, Swimming around and not being able to escape each other, even though they've never seen, they haven't seen each other for the last fifteen years or something. Do you know what I was surprised about? Yeah, I think um, with a lot of these two-hander films, do you, who wants to explain two-hander? Uh, I guess it's just two, when there's primarily two actors in the film, right? Sleuth is the best ex- example. Do you have to it strictly have to be no one else in the film to be a two-hander? No, I, don't I think, think so. this is this is sort of like you know vague yeah. terms. It's like an yeah. ER way. Of, you got Riz Ahmed in here with a very thankless uh, role. So <laughs> anyway, I think with a lot of these films that are based on um, plays, especially these two-hander kind of ones, you expect the um, script to be a lot more compelling. Yeah, and I thought the dialogue was a bit flat yes. and. Um, it wasn't as gripping as I thought it would be, and I think it needed to be more gripping. Well, and I think the opening five minutes really prepare you for something that's going to be quite um, yeah. profound and involving, and that's mm. and that's before any of the dialogue yeah. kicked in. And I thought that was the part that I, I was like, I sat back in my seat and I said, this is going to be fucking great. Yeah. And then it just yeah. continued to kind of deflate like air coming out of a tire. Yeah, and, and I think, see, for me, what I saw it today, and we I had people walk out of my cinema because really? they didn't... I, I don't think... I think... I think and I was thinking about why they did that, and I, I made a short film that's in a very, very similar topic yeah. to to this, and I, and I think it's really, and I think so that this topic really interests me a lot because I think one of the things that we have a tendency to do is, um, very much put people in categories, and they're a monster, and that's it, and see you later. We don't want anything to do with you, like yeah. we do with Derek. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And so I think guys, Mendel- let me back. I I think Mendelssohn was fantastic personally okay. because I thought he bought he humanized that character, and it's very he towed the line very well between I didn't I still don't know his int- what he his did, intentions yeah, were totally, and I'm not totally sold uh, sold on Ben Mendelssohn. I don't really see uh, I haven't always seen what the big fuss about him is about, but he really does humanize a character that really like. Um, You'd be naturally inclined to um, uh, to reject. Yes, yeah, and so I agree. Which with is you. a tough thing. So mm. I agree with you, and, and uh, so when when I realised what the film was going to be, be about, I wanted it to, to to say something interesting that I hadn't. Thought, oh, so you didn't know what it was about, about before you even went in. No, interesting. No. So okay, and, yeah, no and, preconceived notions. And that's what I try yeah. and do most of the time when okay. I go to the films. Um, and, and so. I, when I found out what it was about, I was like, okay, I want you to... I agree. In the first 10 minutes, I was like, here we go. They're going to say something really interesting about this taboo subject that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't talk about and we kind of put in a box and just mm-hmm. demonise whoever it's about and we don't really think about ev- the the wider idea of it. 
Um, and so I was like, I was, I'm really fascinating on uh, about films that are on the edge of what I think our modern society counts as acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so I want films to, even if it's not an excellent film, I want to, to open the conversation so that it gets reactions from people and so we can explore it, this it was idea confr- further. It was confronting like that because you totally didn't exactly want him to... Um, you sort of wanted him to get away with it. You, you didn't want her to ruin his new life. And at the end of the day, he slept with a 13-year-old girl when he was, you know, a fully grown male. He shouldn't have done what he did. Yeah. And so he really did the wrong thing. And yet, you, in one sense, I was, uh, you know, rooting for him. Yeah. Which is, which was, like, pretty messed up. Yeah, and I agree. And I, I feel bad about that. And I, I, I was thinking about that What's well, the All film day. manipulating? I don't know. Exactly. Well, pro, and, you know. Well, it was also the idea that it, it, it's written by a, a male and it's been directed by a male. And so I, I wonder whether my, my, my flaw with the film is with these subjects, I think you need to do the whole subject justice because people have had to live with this stuff yeah. in real life. And I feel like you have a sense of duty to, to, to almost do the topic justice. You can't just kind of come in and... and talk about it like well do you, you think this film did it justice no no and that's slightly my issue with the film is, is it made me had this uneasy feeling because in the end i thought he was painted quite well and she wasn't painted as bet she should have been painted better yeah in well, the end as i understood it and this is my interpretation of the end of the film spoiler alert is that she just wanted him to be publicly shamed because he, he, every time they had hooked up or done something, they had done it privately yeah. and he had never had to wear the shame of it. See, to me, that's so film... at the end, when she looks up and the wife is watching them, it seemed like that was almost it's like the... a vengeance. And that was just like, that's so cold. And the, the, it's, the issue was so much bigger and more complex than that. I wanted an ad- added layer to that. Well, to me, the film was more about him. If it was called Una. But I felt like um, it was all about the audience's interpretation of him and whether he really loved her or whether he was actually gaslighting her when she came back and sort of uh, uh, altering her memory of, uh, of their past. Mm. Um, and isn't that problematic, though? Is it? Why? Well, I don't know. It's the, her name is the title of the film. She's the first character we meet. We don't even meet him for 15 minutes or, or however long. Um, if, it's, if, it's a, if the film's about him, that's even more kind of playing into the hands of... of he, he that he deserves the kind of um, protagonist status, which I okay. think is something that he doesn't deserve because he's done this horrible thing. Okay. I mean, I think she's the protagonist, and I think the film underserves her as a result it, when she's in that role. Mm-hmm. It ends on a very unusual note. You you don't even really know if his wife properly sees what happens or, or took in the significance of it. Um, clearly, and, and he doesn't actually shy away in that last moment, He, which I think is kind of a strangely played moment. He caresses her face and does all these loving things toward her without any recognition of the fact that people are watching him and that this may be causing problems for him, which took me out of what his character's motivations were supposed to be. So I didn't really believe that. So that's what I yeah. that's that's why I think his was well painted because obviously at that point with his motivations you would have almost assumed that he was a monster. Yeah. I'm assuming. Uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, his monstrosity was was very ambiguous, and we're, we're not, and like you said before, we're not really supposed to know, or, what, or you kind of want him to get away with it. What I thought was most interesting in the film was actually the flashback stuff, because it showed how this thing could get started sort of innocently, like they're swimming in the pool, they have kind of a, a moment where they realize that the other person is 
a person in the world with opinions and viewpoints that are in some way not dissimilar to them mm. and how this would kind of slide into um, an illicit touch and and so forth. And like the, the scene I thought was really interesting is where she walks into the bush and he's pretending to read a that, newspaper that, that on the bench that, that and then he follows her in. It's like it all seems very plausible mm. in a way that the present stuff – Pretend stuff mostly did not seem plausible. A lot of the flashbacks, well, I think, were presented uh, in a really vi- visually er, interesting way. I, yeah. I really loved the scene when, uh, or the, the twin scenes where they go to the pub after the first had sex, mm. and she walks into the pub, and all the men at the pub are looking at her, and it looks really predatory. And then he walks to the pub later, and they give him the same looks, and they seem really sort of um, uh, like they're accusing him. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like that Kuleshov effect, uh, mm-hmm. where uh, yep. um, uh, you know it'll cut to the same faces, uh, but depending on what they're looking at, mm. it'll. Uh, uh, it'll seem like a different expression. Yeah. yeah. And for me, the, the visual moments were the ones that were really interesting. The the moment that really took me by storm, which I feel like is the truth of the film and their relationship at the core, is when they did um, embrace again as adults and her she just went straight for his penis. And that was like, that made me feel ill because I was like, that this is what yep. this relationship is. She's been broken. And this, yeah. is, this is beyond beyond repair. Um, yeah, it, it was a haunt, haunting film, and I, and I think it's for me they almost they almost should have gone deeper with it. Unfortunately, yeah, absolutely, they should e- have. Even yeah. even now, it it, it it doesn't even seem to have hit m- many waves in in getting responses from people. In yeah, like I feel like it I just don't. Well, it hasn't been released the in the US yet, so I don't know if that. It? No, I think and, it's not. It's coming UK, out later in the UK year. September as well. Okay. But even yeah. here, I'm surprised though. Like I, I remember, what, like when yeah. Blue is the warmest color. I remember when that came out. That was just like everyone yeah. was talking. That's. About I think that's a much better film than this is. Yes, I think though that the subjects that they were, they were discussing. Okay. Were, yeah. Kind of these again, like these fringe subjects yeah. that, that well, I, I want to really explore. That got a lot of controversy also because it was so frank with its sexual display. And also, and sort of yeah. what the behind the scenes with all the uh, the way the director oh, yeah. treating the actresses. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's based on a play by Derek Shulley. David you know, Harrower? That's why yeah. Blackbird. That's why, is why what we keep uh, Derek around. <laughs> I, um, I, I didn't know that except did for I, I did. learned it in the what last do, few days. What do we need Derek for then? Well, yeah, I'm trying to phase him out. Oh, let's phase him out. Let's make this podcast a two hander, right? Um, I want to hear your top three, which is by here. Explain our top three. Um, top three, and then Derek starts oh, with okay. his top three. Yeah. Oh, okay. Top three are, are plays that have been adapted into films. Take it away, Derek. Uh, and so this, there's some really great s- examples of this out here, and some really not so great ones. But we're not discussing the not so great ones today. Um, my number three is the classic uh, Twelve Angry Men. Mm. Is that based on a play? Well, yeah. that's that's what we'll get into here. It's based. It was a teleplay originally, and then it was staged, and then it became a film. But it is so in the spirit of what we're talking about here that it, if it weren't a play, it it almost had to have been because mm. it takes place largely in one room. And it gets by just on the strength of its dialogue and the and the relationship between the characters trying to convince each other or one yeah, one jury. trying to convince the rest of them in a, in a jury in a jury um, that this this man is is guilty of murder and Henry Fonda is the holdout and it's just it's such a, an it's engrossing awesome. watch. It's fantastic. Yeah. So that's my number three. My number two is a play uh, a play. Well, it's a film based on a play called Rabbit Hole by David Lindsay a bear. Um, I'm not sure if either of you have seen that, but uh, Nicole Never. Kidman starred in it. It was from I've 2010. Seen it. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. It is fantastic. It's about two parents, uh, herself and Aaron Eckhart, mourning the death of their child who was hit by a car. Aaron and Eckhart is 
grossly underused. Yeah, he's well. good. I think he is such a good actor. He's good. Why and jo- he John Cameron everything? Mitchell is a, is a really great director too. I don't know if you saw the um, the queer film um, uh, Short Bus. Oh uh, yeah, it's really movie. great. Yeah. It's really great. I really love that too. Um, but Rabbit Hole is just it just really penetrates into the levels of grief that these, mm. these people are feeling, but not in a in a despairing way, and it just really gets into how they would really yeah. be grappling with this, and, and I just loved it. And see, that's what I would have liked this film, Una, to have done more, yeah. because Rabbit Hole presented... It goes down grief, the rabbit hole. Exactly, yeah. but presented these ideas in grief in ways that I couldn't even comprehend, and yeah. they explored it, and it was fascinating, whereas... I feel like with Una, it was just kind of on the surface level of almost what you would expect from it. It was very much so. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my number one is Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Woo! the David Mamet play that is uh, a showcase for has been a showcase for any number of actors throughout the years. But in this particular case, it's Ed Harris, Alan Arkin, Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Alec Kevin Baldwin. Spacey, yeah, Alec that Baldwin. Was for, yeah. Just for the film, wasn't it? His scene? Yeah, and yeah. Jack Lemmon, of course, the great Jack Lemmon. Um, yeah, and it's just, that is a study in how to do something in only two locations. It's really primarily one location, but there also, there's also a couple scenes in the restaurant across the street, but it's about real estate guys, in, I think Chicago, um, trying to get, trying to sell real estate that is worth shit, and they're going to, if they, if they uh, you know, third, third place is a set of steak knives, fourth place is you're fired. Or, no, second second place is a set of steak knives, third place is you're fired. And there are four of them, so... Three of the, two of them are going to get fired. One of them's going to get a car, and one of them's going to get a set of steak knives. And it's the desperation that results from trying to, to map it out. And it's 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 long been one of my favorite films. Um, yeah. Well, I didn't even think of Rabbit Hole, but that definitely would have made my list. But my number three is the same as yours: Twelve Angry Men, mm. uh, led by Henry Fonda. That is just a sensational film. Um, yeah. Black and white, all in the jury's kind of. What is it called? Deliberation Room? Or yeah. I'm not sure what it's called. That's good, good as good a name as any, I and think. And it's just fantastic yeah. just watching these guys just discuss the case. Because you don't actually see any of the courtroom no. drama yourself. You have to just piece it together based on what these guys are talking about. And it's so well... And I always remember the last scene where someone goes up to Henry Fonda and they go, what's your name? Because they don't know yeah. each other's name because yeah. they're all just known by jurors. Um, my number two is uh, Harvey. I love Harvey. Jim, Jimmy oh, Stewart. I've never seen it. It's based on a play. That is based on a play. Jimmy Stewart can see a, a rabbit, an invisible rabbit, giant rabbit that no one else can see. Mm. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. It's, it's fantastic. They try and get him committed into a loony bin. Um, and it's just this really fun comedy that... Um, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I think you just got to see it. It's just... I would Harvey, like to see Harvey, that, yeah. Harvey is... The one who gets Jimmy Stewart. There's a rabbit involved, right? Yeah, he's the one who gets <laughs> he's the one who gets um, Jimmy Stewart out of these hairy situations, and Jimmy just Stewart just plays it like this kid who's just in love with his imaginary friend. It's just so much fun to watch. Cool. Um, and the third first pick, um, obviously, is Planet of the Apes. What? Doctor Zeus, Doctor Zeus, Doctor Zeus, Doctor Zeus, Simpsons. Oh, <laughs> that would be a musical. <laughs> I, I ruled out Colour. musicals. <laughs> that is not based. <laughs> It's not. It was just a joke. <laughs> my first one is Amadeus. Amadeus right. by a country mile. I, that is one of my favorite yeah. films that I've. I didn't know that was based seen. on a play. Oh, mm. yeah, I've seen the play. Yeah. It's not as good as the film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're laughing at what I said for a second. Nope. <laughs> I, was, I was doing my Tom Hulse impersonation. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen Amadeus, it's a long one, but it is well and truly worth it. That is one of the best films I've ever seen. I, I need a rewatch of that. I haven't seen it since the eighties. I don't think. Sensational. Okay. My number three is well, I completely forgot about Twelve Angry Men and Glengarry Glen Ross, yeah. uh, and I was sort of clutching Planet this of the one Apes. because <laughs> did you forget about Planet of the Apes? Yeah. I did. Otherwise, it would have been my number one. And I was sort of clutching because my top 
two, my, my, sorry, my three and my two are films I haven't seen for a long time. Uh, my number three is Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which I remember really enjoying when I saw it. Um, Elizabeth, yeah. Elizabeth, wait, Turner? Elizabeth yeah, Taylor. And uh, Taylor and, yeah. uh, and Richard Burton. Yeah. Um, Streetcar Named Desire is my number two. Again, I haven't seen it in a long time. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a Simpsons uh, musical based on that also. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, Streetcar? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and my number one is also Armadeus. Um, uh, great movie. Seen a lot of times. I'm oh, glad yeah. it's your number one too, Blakey. Amadeus, Amadeus. Um, oh, Amadeus. It's another example of Derek outing himself from the real podcast club. Get what? out of the club. <laughs> that was Blake singing. That wasn't me. No, no. You, you didn't choose <laughs> Amadeus, mate. Oh, I see. Just like I didn't choose Furiosa last week, right? Yeah. <laughs> get out of our garage. <laughs> now, uh, fellas, we actually have some fan mail. Let no. Just, let me get this email. We up. have a fan? Mm. Uh, That's terrific. We have a, we, he's, he's definitely a fan. We know that much. But cool. Um, okay, now where is it? What am I doing? Uh, I'll just read it out. Yeah, do it. Dear John the Middleman Roebuck, Blake the human element in movies, Curtis, and Derek Mr. Use Big Words About Film Armstrong. <laughs> Man, I loved your recent podcast on Wonder Woman. Easily your best one to date. Can you please send Blakey and D-Dog to more movies that they love but John doesn't? <laughs> we're, halfway through, through, where is it? we're halfway through the year, in case you didn't know. At the halfway point, it looks to me as if 2017 has been the worst year for movie releases that I can remember. This got me thinking, have we always had shit movies that just fade from memory over time, leading to a retrospective bias, a la the mem- member berries from the recent South Park episodes, or are we truly in an age of shit filmmaking? For example, does the 1970s have its version of Transformers 5 or Live By Night that no one remembers anymore? Or is it just us folks in 2017 that are subjected to this nightmare? With love always, Darcy Denton. <laughs> Thank you, Darcy. <laughs> Darcy. Well, I guess the 1970s do have some, some of the, the, a lot of the disaster films that were uh, kind of turned in today's blockbusters like were kind of originated in the, yeah, mm-hmm. Poseidon, was Pos- Towering Poseidon Inferno. Back in the 70s, you know what I saw a few weeks ago was Airport. Which is the film that That's Flying fantastic. High was it was based on? Oh, you um, call it Flying High. I'm calling it because it's an Australian podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, we Just called it Airplane. The podcast. Air, airplane yeah. with an exclamation mark. Uh, but that it you has your place. It has many of the uh, the same beats that are hit in, in Airplane, which are funny. So, and, and it wasn't very good. So I have I have to feel like there are bad movies all the time. But it's true that the bad movies do not tend to endure, and we don't when we look back on the 20 teens. We won't talk about the movies that were shit. Um, I didn't see Live by Night and Transformers Five. I hope never to speak of again. But yeah, it's uh, it's 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 the great works of anything that last, and the and the bad ones fade. But what's the great works now? This year has not been great. Yeah, um, I, I agree that this is not a not a great year so far for film. But have but or were you going to say something? No, I just see your hand sticking up like you're about but to say something. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of blockbuster filmmaking, uh, the reviews for the new Planet of the Apes movie, bringing it up again this podcast, have just been released. People always love those movies. The, the one I read yeah. was saying that the first two were, you know, pretty good, and this one uh, is uh, he uh, compared it to when Christopher Nolan made The Dark Knight. It's, mm. He says it's so much better than uh, the last two. Yeah. Blake is excited. Well, I'm a Batman I'm Begins fan, so I'm not sure Ooh, how that goes. But <laughs> we, we missed the... Uh, uh, we, me and Blakey had a date to see the um, old Planet of the Apes marathon, which is essentially oh. seeing one good movie and five <laughs> yeah, bad Yeah, I've movies. only seen the one good one. Yeah, I, I, I saw the first three and gave it... The next second one's Beneath the Planet of the Apes, and I can't remember the third one, but it's they like were the, both really bad. Like Lots of prepositions there. Yeah, there's Battle of the Planet <laughs> of the Apes, maybe Escape from the Planet yeah, of the Apes. Something weird. Um, 
But we missed it. I don't remember what I was doing. They're not great. Um, but I would agree with Darcy. I would say we're living in the worst. <laughs> this has been a bad year. But there, there, as recently as like 2015, there was a pretty good year. Like I, I don't remember if it was 2015 or 2014, but I remember there was one fairly recently that I thought was was quite good. Mm. And 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 I always find by the end of the year, like my top 40 films of the year are all films that I really really like. Mm. So it's like. It gets to be. I mean, I, I see 150 films a year, so that's a little bit of a show different up. standard. But <laughs> as a show off, or do, <laughs> am I a show off, or do I have no life? That's the question. I've got two kids, <laughs> or is it both? Is it? It's probably both. Um, but but like, yeah, I, I oh, yeah, I also wondered if those films get propped up because there's just so much trash around it. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, there's definitely you're grading on a curve at some point. Like, you, you're desperate to like something, so you kind of do. Um, you can't hate everything. <laughs> we're, we're in a, uh, a, a strange period of filmmaking too because of, I think, the rise of Marvel. Yeah. Um, people are making, or studios are uh, planning these series of ten films without even making one. Yeah. Like King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, this Robin Hood movie that's coming out. Oh, uh, the recent the Mummy. Mummy. Yeah. The Mummy, yeah. They, um, it, it, you, the Mummy starts with this big logo saying Dark Universe, which yeah. is meant to be obviously the Mummy and the Wolfman and Dracula. Yeah. And they hadn't even made one yet. Yeah. And... Um, and I think uh, uh, Marvel's, Never too early Marvel's to make a brand. changed Hollywood. F- uh, yeah. Maybe too early for to bow out to just not do it. But I think uh, they've all flopped. I mean, yeah. DC's been making money, but their movies have been terrible. I didn't like Wonder Woman, you did. But the only um, really successful uh, studio who's been doing this uh, method of filmmaking has been Marvel. So hopefully it's going to implode and people's not making good films again. God, I hope so. Everything is cyclical. Yeah. Mm. Logan was good in terms of blockbuster filmmaking, and apparently War for the Planet of the Apes is good. Yeah. I haven't seen too many good small films. Una, I thought was okay. I thought Una was all right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, final thoughts on Una, Derek. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted more from it. I think what I'm, what I'm looking at, what I'm taking away from it is that um, this Australian director, Benedict Andrews, has got some real talent. Um, I think the visual look of the film and some of the decisions he makes are really quite interesting. I think that this was actually a little bit undone by the guy who adapted his play, his own play, David Harrower. I'm sorry to say, you know, but uh, the, it was the it was the visuals were great and the dialogue was not. Do you know if he's uh, written any other films or is this his first film? No, I don't this know. Is it? Okay. is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're out, Derek. I'm taking over. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, you're like normally Derek's the encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah. I'm back, baby. Uh, <laughs> um, and oh, the thing we haven't spoken about that irked me a fair bit about Una is. It was a re- I, the mo- parts of it I really enjoyed, but I also hate lazy filmmaking. Mm. Um, just kind of like f- felt like the reason that she was coming there now at this point in time was lazy and weak. After yeah. all this time, it was, what was she saw she saw him in a trade magazine. Yeah, uh-huh. but she had the photo in her room, so she's obviously not just seen the photo and just taken off. Right. She's got the photo. She's put it away somewhere. Who knows yeah. how, how? Who knows how long it's been there? And then she's decided to go. And then on top of that. It's again lazy timing that just happened to be the time that I don't know the the company was going in that and he's weird making a party direction. And, he, and he's throwing a party that night. And can I can I say yeah. something? One thing about that: what was going on with the actual chronology in the day that that occurred? Like it I looked thought like they'd been there all night. It looked like there were hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And he finally goes home and has a nap. Sets and up, then sets up the party. And, and then has, has a nap. nap yeah. And then, then has, has the party. With, sex with his wife. And, and then the party. And starts. then the party starts at a reasonable seven thirty. I would say right. Mm. That was. That was screw it, screwy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with the company. Like, surely if you walk out of a meeting, you don't have to hide everywhere. Just leave. Exactly. Why, just, All that why stuff was hiding? very, very contrived. It was just yeah. lazy, though, as yeah. well. Just yeah, like, why didn't they leave? Come up with reasons. Like, it's they not that totally difficult. Because they had to hide behind <laughs> the file cabinet. That's why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'd say, Una, you know, 
You're saw number it. one. I saw yeah. it and I... Um, have lots of fun. I don't regret saying Draw it. Four. Suffer. To Darcy Denton, <laughs> I say, go see Hello High Water. It came out last year, but it was awesome. Oh, amen. Yeah. I watched it again uh, on Sunday. So good. Oh, it's so Apparently, good. it's really cheap on DVD. I'm thinking about like expanding my DVD collection buy it. again. I want to buy it. I'm yeah. getting, I'm getting, getting back in DVDs. Yeah. They're gonna take that's off. That's it. That's all we got. Future. That's all we got time. This is the real good. Po- oh, sorry. That's yours. This is the real good podcast. <laughs> so my name is John Roebuck. Uh, thank you, Derek. Thank you. And thank you, Blakey. You're welcome. For more anything films, we've just had a new episode of John Roebuck's Film School. That's me. Uh, oh, yeah. My film school released, the first one in a while, and I'm planning Woo-hoo! on doing a lot more. How uh, much does this film school cost, John? It's free, Blakey. <laughs> uh, just uh, download on your iTunes store. The re- most recent episode that was released today is on the Dogma 95 movement. If you don't know anything about the Dogma 95 movement, you can learn pretty much everything about the Dogma 95 movement in 15 minutes. And keep coming back to this podcast, The Real Good Podcast. For more information, go to realgood.com.au. That's real with two E's. Thanks, guys. Bye. Derek? Bye.